setting fire to the stoner stereotype. Sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Hey, thanks for joining us on Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. As many of you know, I'm Professor of Psychology at the University of Albany State University of New York. I'm the chair of the executive board at the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Uh, I write the High Times column, Ask Dr. Mitch, and I'm the author of the book, Understanding Marijuana, published by Oxford University Press. Today, we have noted activist, author, and publisher, Diane Fornbacher, and we'll also have our segment on self-compassion and the art of activism. Ms. Fornbacher has spent decades defending cannabis. She made the celeb stoner Women of Weed list. She won the normal Pauline Sabin Award, and she serves on the normal board. She also publishes Ladybud Magazine at Ladybud, with a B-U-D there, dot com. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, hearty burning issues. Welcome to the beloved Diane Fornbacher. How you doing, Doc? <laughs> All right. We've had a lot of female guests in the last few weeks, and I just wanted to get your take on how you feel the movement might differ for men and for women. Well, um, aside from different parts that we possess physically, I would say that generally speaking, most people identify the movement, at least in the recent past, with being primarily male-dominated. Um, I, it's not that the women haven't been there the whole time, but with this sort of mainstreaming of cannabis a lot of people are very curious about mothers and, you know, how activism plays a role in someone like myself um, in my life. So I've been approached a lot by media with the kind of questions that are, you know, ranging from second all the way to what's it like to be a professional woman who owns a business that happens to be associated with cannabis as a mother. So there are a lot of different angles on that, but... For me, growing up in the movement um, as I was a late teenager, busted in college and discovered the movement purely by incident of criminal cannabis possession activity, um, it was strange coming into the movement. Uh, I was young and I was, I'm a woman and you know, I, I had these glittery eyes about you know finally finding my family for cannabis, but you know, coming into this as a patient who has complex PTSD and being emotional, I was understandably shocked when I was told that I might cry too much during speeches and first-person testimonials or de during demonstrations, when what I was really doing is expressing myself with how I'd been victimized by the drug war in a very raw fashion. But early in my career, I was told that wasn't a good thing, that people, specifically men, might be turned off by my message because I was crying, and they don't like that. So <laughs> I've kind of seen it from that angle. Um, so yeah. America's intolerance for negative affect seems to generalize to this. Um, yes. But it seems to sort of explain the need for Ladybud. Can you sort of give us a feel for the site and how it got started? 
Well, you know, I used to do freelance writing for High Times, and I was, in fact, yes, a model for High Times, so not the typical model you'd think of when you think of High Times. Uh, typically, they have, you know, a lot of skin, and in their advertising, that's, you know, the demographic is typically, you know, I think male, you know, straight male, probably ages 20-something to question mark. Um, and so, you know, they sort of play to the old advertising adage of sex sells which is not exclusive to our movement and industry. And um, so I wrote for them. But when I was a model, I, I modeled as Joan of Arc for some story about <laughs> mushrooms that a massage therapist in California wrote, you know, that she may have been under the influence of magic mushrooms when she heard the voice of uh, God speak to her from the fairy tree. So <laughs> I had to don some armor and, you know, wield a sword with which I was not familiar. So it got a little hairy there. But I also did a lot of, you know, freelance work for other mainstream news organizations like Knight Ritter. And I was also the managing editor of Skunk, whose demographic is, you know, a little bit of the same of high times just as well. So I have been in media, both mainstream on a very temporary city paper level (laughs) and been quoted by a lot of mainstream media, but um, I'm primarily an activist. And in the course of my work and experience with the hybrid of journalism and activism, as it pertains to cannabis and the larger drug war, I felt that though we were covered in shades and mentioned here and there, that perhaps we could have a larger space for people like myself. Now, it sounds like there's a, there's a real women's voice here then at Ladybud. Yes, but we're also not exclusively male at Ladybud. As you know, as one of our uh, contributing writers, we're not exclusively female. You know, we, we cover all, all manner of things, although we are primarily a drug policy reform publication with a focus on cannabis, uh, we, we're concentrating on civil liberties and culture. So, you know, the whole line under Ladybud says, classing up the joint, our tagline. That's very much tongue-in-cheek. You know, yes, we're trying to change the perception of cannabis, um, but not so much as, you know, the mainstream would think. We're trying to be very honest and very loyal to our roots as activists, and using cannabis isn't just a way that we, you know, medicate or recreate, this is also a very convenient civil liberties machine because the war on cannabis exemplifies everything wrong with the larger drug war. You know, so so classing up the joint really means that we want it to be an intellectual discourse, although we do have some fun and irreverent articles and do incorporate art and poetry and painters and silversmiths in all of this. You know, so we're trying to make people understand that, you know, yes, you know, largely speaking, the media has identified stoners as sort of like shaggy scooby hippies dreadlocks and you know farming which isn't entirely a bad thing you know but we're really trying to broaden that spectrum and be inclusive to and loyal to those people who farmed cannabis when it wasn't popular or mainstream or the next big thing and it was very dangerous so we we got a real diversity of topics there i think i think it's wonderful are there some sort of standouts some some uh articles or topics that you feel like uh people might not expect there Well, we have some sex articles, and I can tell we're in a new paradigm with cannabis because these days people want to use their real names to write about weed, but they still can't use their real names to write about sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's been a curiosity that I find fascinating and uh, notable. We also have a lot of articles, of course, cannabis-centric. The big ones right now are CBD-only articles. People are really pissed um, who are loyal cannabis activists that – 
whole plant medicine is being exorcised out of the equation uh, in the self-interest or strange interest of certain, you know, CBD only producing extract companies. So I'm not going to mention my name. There are a lot of pending lawsuits between uh, organizations of nonprofit nature and some of those for-profit companies. And I notice you've got folks from all walks of life uh, participating, really joining the, the community here. How did that work out? Well, what you mean is like how we have a lot of people from overall drug policy community as well as the arts and natural foods. Um, that came about because those are the things I'm interested in. Those are the things that the people I hang out with are interested in. But we're trying to be inclusive to the general public while, you know, trying to help people find alternatives to, you know, polluting type of diets. Um, you know, I, I love, you know, some junk food every now and again, but I want people to understand the munchies don't necessarily have to mean Doritos and, you know, a microwavable, you know, pie, you know. Um, so we, we incorporate a lot of things into the magazine because we want everyone to be healthier and to take care of themselves, but to also have compassion for all spectrums of our species. Oh, that's delightful. And then it seems like you've got folks who aren't necessarily professional journalists showing up to, to sound off, too. How did that work out? Well, you know, I want to empower the voices of the people who are fighting this battle and have stories to tell because I want other people who can relate to them to understand that. So we have people who have written for the New York Times writing for us. We have, you know, professors of psychology uh, writing for us. But we also have people who have been, you know, busted uh you know, and who have been subject to various broad spectrum injustices of the law enforcement. So, you know, we want to incorporate all of these voices. Um, so, you know, it's worked out pretty well. I try to empower people to understand the internet paradigm and blogosphere is a different means of journalism. And that much like modeling or casting for actors, not everyone's runway, not everyone's you know, not everyone's going to be at the fore of the or the pinnacle of a trained art, but that doesn't mean they can't participate as a voice. So I try to empower people by teaching them these these tricks to be able to get their message across, even if they don't consider themselves a professional writer. That's a delightful approach. We're going to have to take a minute to just hear from our sponsors, but uh, we're here at uh, burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, and we're talking with Diane Forbacher of Ladybug Magazine. She's going to give us more feel for all their content right after these words from our favorite folks. More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, panda and penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, a fitness writer, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Like many of the million people who are living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every single day. And sometimes my nerves are so raw that if you brushed up against me in an elevator, I'd scream. I can't sleep at night from the pain, and sometimes the spasms in my legs are so intense they will wake me up throughout the night. 
I've tried the strongest prescription medications available, and I'm going to tell you, they do not work. In fact, they leave me in a stupor, and most of the time, it's impossible to even live your life. Now, I've tried medical marijuana, and I'm going to tell you something, it works. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, and we're back. Thanks for joining us on Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, and we're talking to Diane Thornbacher from Ladybud.com. Diane, can you tell us how people sort of can find you, and if they do have a story to tell, they might be able to get it uh, to you guys and then eventually in front of a big audience? Well, they can submit a pitch directly to me, and that's un- Diane at ladybudwithad.com. Uh, some people send emails to Ladybug with a G, and that's a children's magazine, so I just want to put that out there that if I get emails for a children's magazine and you don't edit it, I will forward it to the children's magazine. <laughs> um, but we're also on a lot of social media. We're on Twitter as LadybudMag, as in magazine, but it's L-A-D-Y-B-U-D-M-A-G. And, you know, instead, we're also on Facebook. We also appreciate a lot of the traffic from the site. And you can click on About Us to get to contact information for our staff. Uh, we really do appreciate people who go to the About Us page and submit a pitch in pitch format, which, you know, really ha- helps people come up with their idea, you know, sort of write a sentence or two and com- make a commitment. Um, and then we will proffer a deadline after that and we'll see if that person can meet it. Now, at this juncture, we're volunteer only. We don't take a lot of advertising. This is mostly self-funded with some support from very generous and loyal to the cause companies like uh, Mindful, which is based here in Denver, as well as the International Cannabis Business Conference. Uh, You know, we have a lot of conferences these days, and it's sometimes hard to pick out the loyal and activist-minded, civil liberty-minded, and entrepreneur-minded, all combined, um, but the International Cannabis Business uh, Conference exemplifies all of that. So we're very thankful to them for their support. I really uh, want to commend you for that because I, I know there's got to be you know a ton of shady places that would be dying to pay money just to have a link on your site, and it seems like you really turn those down. I, you know, it's not easy because you know we started Ladybud primarily with my money, and we tried to get funding prior to launching from a few notable organizations that purport to be funding you know, new businesses, (laughs) but they turned us down indirectly before we even got to them directly. So, you know, I, I used to be upset about stuff like that, but I'm starting to get to the point where I realize that my work is making a difference, that I, as well as my magazine and our writers are approached by mainstream media as sources for these bigger stories that are making a difference. And while it would be nice to be fully supported without any strings attached, at this point, I'm very dedicated to just keeping my head down and doing the work and letting it speak for itself. Damn the difficulty or the hard road ahead. All right, so what would you recommend to folks who are trying to make a difference but you know need funding and want to kind of keep their conscience, so to speak? <laughs> well, there are a lot of people who do pay freelance pieces. So if you're informed enough and you can write a, a relatively great and informative story, you know, uh, p- places like the Daily Beast, which can pay, you know, places like The Guardian, uh, you know, which covers a broad spectrum of human suffering and progression, 
and activities um, as well as people who are trying to uh, be progressive for this world, they do pay. You know, um, Freedom Leaf I know pays uh, for uh, articles as well as photos, and they they pay industry standard, which I think is really great. Well, and that's that's superb. But I really got to hand it to you the. The devil must be calling to you every day when you you know open up your your email account. Well, you know it's email, it's Twitter, it's you know per, you know lots of phone calls, lots of offers of free lunches, which I sometimes take if I find them at least somewhat intellectually stimulating, but end up turning them down. Um, but yeah, I do have a lot of canna baggers, as we call them at the Ladybud offices, trying to uh, you know buy Ladybud. <laughs> Well, and I noticed there's a recurring set of themes about uh, medical use and different ailments and things like that. Would you care to share some of those ideas? Well, you know, we really want to have PTSD as a qualifying condition. And when we talk to the media or we're talking at state houses or we're getting reflective you know, information back from those places. We want people to understand that it's not just soldiers suffering from that, so we do cover that quite a bit. Uh, PTSD isn't relegated to merely a war overseas and apart from us. PTSD is something that many domestic citizens uh, struggle and try to live through, but it is a potentially terminal condition, and I want people to understand that we cannot simply say, based on, you know, this traditional soldier worship that other people should be excluded from this. Uh, I definitely think veterans as a child of two Air Force people, uh, you know, that veterans definitely should have access. I believe everyone should have access to cannabis, but we have to have more spectrum with regard to that. Uh, We do cover a lot of seizure articles and first-person accounts of parents who want us to know what it's like to live with a child who may die of a seizure any moment. Uh, so we definitely cover a lot of that as well. I've published data on how PTSD can help, and it really does seem uh, that folks have these expectancies, especially for some of the weirder symptoms that you can't uh, treat more normally. And a lot of folks from my tradition say, hey, exposure treatment is really what these folks need. Do you have a response to you know psychologists who might be plugging for that instead of medical cannabis? Well, I think exposure therapy can work for some people, but for some, for others, it might not be right. You know, I've explored a lot of my complex PTS issues for, you know, the better part of 25 years, and I, I think I'm done with exposure therapy, you know. So for me, knowing and being aware of my condition, uh, you know, requires mitigation. And using cannabis as a first-line defense against anxiety or intrusive thoughts with a vaporizer or one puff of cannabis is is akin to saying, you know, as someone with diabetes may need some insulin. Um, you know, I'm aware of, of what has happened to me in my life and people, if they want to explore that, can look up Diane Fornbacher's journey. That's the mercifully short version for a general audience, but that is a culmination of many decades of suffering. You know, um, but I don't want people to feel bad for me. I, I live in a legal cannabis state where PTSD is not quite, but being worked on as a qualifying medical condition. But for people in psychology, you, you have to understand, I was prescribed things like clonopin for anxiety. Taken in large doses, and people with my condition do have dark moments where that is very beguiling, is a respiratory suppressant that can kill you. So, you know, by comparison, cannabis is not terminal. Yes, you can smoke too much cannabis or eat too much cannabis and feel very uncomfortable, dizzy even, but you won't die. I cannot say the same for clonopin or other medications that are legal that psychiatrists prescribe in concert with therapy from psychologists. 
uh, a sad but true uh, look at all that. And then I notice you've got some new stuff up on endometriosis. Would you care to talk about some of that? I was recently diagnosed with endometriosis. For years, I thought I just had a painful cycle, and that excruciating pain that would knock me out and keep me away from my family was normal for people who had that kind of cycle. But endometriosis is when the endometrial cells are not where they should be and sometimes can park themselves in your body cavity uh, outside of your uterus. And when you're PMSing or you're about to have your cycle, all of these cells swell up at the same time. So you're in effect, not necessarily internally bleeding, but you kind of are. And it is an excruciating condition, one which I thought at at a couple points before my diagnosis that I might have cancer and I was scared. Okay, so it's sort of like a self-manufactured distribution in the wrong place of endometrial cells that feels like cancer, but is self-born (laughs) So the very thing that defines me as a woman is the thing that turns against me 15 days out of every month. Cannabis can help with the psychological hormonal aspects of this uh, for premenstrual dysphoric disorder, uh, but can also help with the physical aspects of endometriosis. And we wanted people to know about this because a lot of people know the word endometriosis, but they don't quite know what it means. They, they know even less about how cannabis can help. And much like people uh, who have psych- psychological issues, the physical of endometriosis, we get prescribed a lot of painkillers and a lot of brain drugs. And cannabis can help just like these other prescriptions can without the damage on the liver and the kidneys that pharmaceutical products can, uh, you know, destroy or or hurt people with. Well put, and I appreciate it because I feel like this is one disorder that really doesn't get much coverage as far as that stuff is concerned. And just to to let you know, too, my lab is just uh, gathering some data on cannabis and menopause and also finding uh, some of the symptoms you'd expect uh, seem to respond pretty well to it. So can you just remind us again where folks can find you and the magazine? Well, we're, we're online only uh, with plans to do limited edition print pending some funding that I'm seeking. But uh, you can go to Lady Bud with a D, L-A-D, L-A-D-Y-B-U-D dot com. Uh, you can also Facebook and Twitter as well as Instagram, Lady Bud Mag. So if you want to find us there, you can totally do that. You can email me directly, Diane at Lady Bud with a D again dot com. And, you know, send me a pitch or tell me your story. We can't always get to all the stories we want to in the time frame that a lot of people want us to. We are we're filled with very many loyal readers and even more people who would like us to cover them. But everyone uh, must understand that because of our limited funding, we only have limited staff. That would be myself and a freelancer who sometimes uh, masquerades as a f- managing editor and does a great job at it. So uh, we, It's been delightful. It's just great. It all sounds so so superb. I, I really want to thank you so much for uh, being on the show. Clearly, we're going to have to talk to you again. Uh, <laughs> this is Mitch Earlywine from Burning Issues, and uh, our delightful thanks to uh, Diane Fornbacher of LadyBud.com. Thank you. More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. 
Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to ensure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. Dr. Mitch Earlywine here with this week's Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Today, I'd like to take some lessons from the marital therapy literature, and we'll talk about our need for social support. I elaborate on these ideas in an article at Ladybud.com. It's called Infighting in the Cannabis Community, but I think these points apply to everyone not just those of us in the cannabis crusade. But do check it out at ladybud.com. Listen, no one's an island, and in fact, hell is other people, but we need each other, so we got to figure out how to get along. I've got a few ideas that I've drawn from the couples literature, from interviews with couples who've stayed happily married, and of course, that's got to apply to the rest of us. So the three big points are the five-to-one ratio for praise, the benefit of the doubt, and something I call divine hearing. First, we've got the five-to-one ratio. Research on divorce suggests that disagreements are not fatal to a marriage. In fact, fighting might be essential. We all know those couples who scream when they fight, but they scream even louder when they make up. The key isn't to never fight. It's the ratio of praise to critiques. Ideally, this ratio should be five or more to one. Five or more praises for any criticism. It's an amazing lesson. Now think of those people at work who drive you nuts. Do you ever give them praise? I'm afraid I don't. And I certainly don't give them five times as much praise as criticism. I've got colleagues. I know how it is. Uh, For some of them, it might take me a while to find five things to praise. 
but that probably means I need to look harder. And when I'm generous with praise, then the criticisms don't sting as bad. It's easy to forget, but how hard is it to say, fine job, or thanks for doing that, or just, hey, nice shirt? Imagine what the environment would be like if everybody cheered five times as much as they booed. That's the kind of community I'd sure like to join. In addition to the five-to-one ratio, we've got the benefit of the doubt. Couples who stay together give each other the benefit of the doubt. What would happen if we assumed that the people around us were doing their best? We know mistakes are going to happen, but they often arise from some predicament, some situation, not somebody's personal shortcoming, not because someone is being a jerk on purpose. It's easy to assume that other people are messing up just to infuriate us, but often they're just having a bummer of a day or they're in a crazy state of affairs. And we tend to ignore other people's situations where we assume it's one of their traits. So when my colleagues are late to one of my meetings, I think it's because they're insolent narcissists with no respect for other people's time. But I know when I'm late for a meeting, it's usually because I had to pee. In truth, we've all got situations bigger than our personalities. So let's cut each other some slack. In addition to the five-to-one ratio and given the benefit of the doubt, we've got what I call divine translation. A dear friend of mine said, basically everybody with an open mouth is really only saying one of two things. I love you or do you love me? All right, yeah, I'm oversimplifying, but let's run the idea. Let's just go with this. The implications for couples are obvious. When I hear, put the cat back, it might sound like criticism, and it could easily generate the response, hey, I'm not the one who took it off. But you can see where that's headed, me sleeping on the couch. But put the cat back, heard divinely, translates to, do you love me? And then my response can be, hey, the cat, I'm putting it on now. I love you. I'm even putting the seat down. Sometimes this happens to me online. I'll spend three hours trying to figure out the best way to describe some complex experiment, usually in the medical marijuana literature. And I'll get some comment like, hey, early wine, nobody cares about all your statistical mumbo jumbo. I know that cannabis cures everything because it helped my mother's friends, sisters, cousins, uncles, dog. And when I get a post like that, I have to translate it. Unfortunately, my first translation is often, hey, I'm an idiot. I'd rather blather than think. But if I let divine translation kick in, I read this post as, do you love me? And then I can respond in an informative, helpful way. I might say something like, glad to hear the plant seems to be working. I love you. So let's start with just one day using divine translation. Assume everyone is saying, I love you, or do you love me? I wonder what that day will bring. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. My hearty thanks to producer extraordinaire Brasco and our guest, the delightful Diane Fornbacher at Ladybud.com. Thanks so much for joining us on Burning Issues. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.